We turn in our Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, as we continue to look at what is foundational in our understanding of the world. And this morning, we, what we learn is that there are only two paths, and that needs to be understood. In our world where there seems to be limitless options, where limitless options are presented to us, we're to remember that God has said there are two paths, one a way of blessing and one a way of curse. We've been told, we've been telling ourselves in this uh, culture for some time now, the old world of right and wrong can be dropped for the brave new world of be whatever your mind can conceive of and do whatever you can imagine. But the creator of the world tells us something else. He tells us there is right and there is wrong, but there really are only two paths, obedience to him and his standard or disobedience against him and rebellion against his laws. That truth must be declared fearlessly and must be declared uh, courageously, for that alone is the hope of a confused and frustrated world. In the opening chapters of the Word for the world, we read of what happened as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. The effect was that their children were conceived and born into sin, and they believed the lie of Satan, that one could ignore God and still live a blessed life, even perhaps a better life, they thought, than what God had in mind. We want to look at how that is set before us this morning in Genesis chapter 4. I invite you to give heed to God's word as it's read the first 16 verses of Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it or rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. 
Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So far, the reading of God's own holy word may add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it this morning. Your people of God, not long after Adam and Eve received the promise that God would grant them offspring, Eve conceived and bore a son. And they were very confident in this son, very hopeful in this son. Therefore, Eve named her son Cain, which means gotten or acquired. And it has been roughly translated, here he is. This is the one that God promised. This was their confidence that this was going to be the one. They had high hopes for their son for their child and what parent doesn't we have high hopes for our children we hope that they will uh, succeed at whatever they do we we are uh, hopeful that they will uh, serve the Lord well but here here what we see is that there were hopes placed upon this son that were ill-founded as we're going to to see this morning well then the Lord shortly thereafter blessed them with another son, and they named him Abel. That name sounds like the word for breath or vanity. Hard to know why they trans or why they picked that name, but Kelvin tells us, or Kelvin comments that he believes that what Eve was noting is that life was vain, that uh, the effects of her great sin and the struggle that it produced led to life being that of vanity, something that was hopeless or a great struggle. Well, this morning we see how these two sons, how these two sons illustrate the two paths that are set before us this morning. There's many things we could look at. We could look at um, the matter of murder here, we're going to look at that tonight in the Sixth Commandment in the Catechism. So we won't look at that this morning uh, particularly. We could, we could look at many other uh, aspects of this passage, but this morning, looking at how this illustrates the two paths that humanity can walk, either the blessed path or the cursed path. The Lord tells us that these uh, boys grew up and took different uh, occupations, Abel was a shepherd. Cain worked the ground. God did not fail to equip these early uh, humans for the callings uh, that he had given them to fulfill the command to fill the earth and subdue it. These callings were legitimate callings. God delights in diversity. We see how that uh, diversity develops quickly later on in chapter 4 when there's uh, livestock that comes about, uh, uh, tenders of livestock and, and uh, technologists and, and so forth later on uh, in chapter 4. So there's, the first thing we have to understand is that as we know the, the, the two paths that Cain and Abel took, it's not that Cain picked an, a, a vocation, a calling that was uh, disobedient to God. I want to note that first this morning as we look at this passage. Um, in the days of the Reformation, there was much debate about what callings were pleasing to God. Were, were there more honorable uh, callings and less honorable callings? And in the uh, Roman Catholic Church of the day, there, the teaching was that the highest calling was that of 
uh, uh, serving the church, being a priest, being a, a, a monk or a, a nun. The reformers, particularly Martin Luther, argued that God gives man different callings and all alike are pleasing to him if they're done with this singular goal, this singular purpose, and that is to give glory to God. And that first then this morning, that there are, there are many paths that we take, many callings that we receive, but we have one, we have one goal, and that is uh, to be living in those callings to God's glory. That's the focus of our work. Whatever you do, work as unto the Lord. Well, Satan heard the mandate that was given to Adam and Eve and was ready to attack that mandate. He wanted work, both work and the motivation behind that work to be twisted, to be twisted away from God. And there we see how these two boys embarked on two different paths. Not that their callings, one was noble and one was ignoble, but rather what we see is the attitude with which they took up that work. Both Cain and Abel knew blessing from God. We see that very early on. Chapter 4, verse 3 says this, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Notice there that God blessed both of them with fruit from their labor. But notice the attitude that, uh, that these two paths uh, are illustrated by. The attitude. We can't conclude that what Cain produced was less valuable. He was working the ground as God had said. He did what God gave Adam to do to work the ground. His work wasn't less honorable. The Bible teaches uh, these occupations are open to us. But Cain was on a different path in his occupation. He was on a path away from the Lord, a path of dishonor, a path of disrespect toward God. How do we see that? Well, we see that he didn't bring to God a proper sacrifice. He wasn't coming to God in the way that God had commanded. He did not bring a blood sacrifice which spoke of substitutionary atonement. He was not being reminded of his need for God to deliver. He came with the fruit of the ground, so it was an attitude of rebellion in Cain's life that was seen in his refusal to obey God's command. So in his work, he was not uh, setting God before uh, himself as the one he wanted to honor. There's no doubt that Adam and Eve would have told their sons what God had done in covering them with skins and of the importance of blood sacrifice and of the need to be forgiven through that sacrifice. No doubt they made clear that God's call for blood sacrifice had to be obeyed. Now that brings up just a, a, a point, too, that parents, you're responsible to teach your children what God commands and what he then would have your children to do. You'd explain to them what it means more and more as they get older. No one can disregard God's commands and be blessed. God's way is the way of life. And here in particular, what Adam and Eve were to tell their children was that they must believe that God would provide a sacrifice for their sin so that they could be reconciled to him. We need to be reconciled to him. Your children must believe. They must believe in Christ. Don't 
ignore that command. And children, you must put your trust in Christ. He alone is the one that can deliver you from your sins. Cain was a member of the family of God, but he showed by his actions that he cared little for his relationship with the Lord. He wasn't obeying God's commands. Not only did he not bring a blood sacrifice in obedience to God's commands, he also brought what was, what was left, what he, had, what he had left over. The, the text here reads that he brought a sacrifice of the fruit of the ground. It doesn't say that he brought the first fruits or the best. He brought whatever he felt he could bring. Well, here's something else that we need to understand. The way of life is a way of obedience and also a, a, a path upon which we want to honor God. The Word of God says this, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce, Proverbs 3, verse 9. We're to bring our best. When we love the Lord, we want to bring our best. We want to give our best. We want to do our best. That's the path that we should be on, to put the Lord first. Contrast Cain's offering with Abel's. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. He brought the best. His delight was in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditated day and night, we could say, using the words of Psalm 1. He was concerned with God's commands, and he wanted to obey. Cain brought an offering because he had to. He gave only what he decided was he was willing to part with. And we read, for Cain and his offering, the Lord had no regard. Well, I was thinking about those words this week. I asked myself some questions. Do I give the Lord the best? My first? From, from my riches? Is, 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 his, is his honor in my life first in my mind? Or is it something that I offer to him as a second, as an afterthought? And saying, well, I'll give him what I have left. After all, I can only give what I have. I'm weak and weary. What's the mindset there? What, what am I prioritizing? My time with the Lord? My energies there? And my coming to worship? Do I come prayerfully? Do I come with, prep, uh, with preparation? Or do I come and say, well, I have to do that. It's Sunday. And that's, that will show that I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. Those are convicting questions because we often give our best and our first to our other projects, our other life interests, if you will. And God says, I want you to bring me the best. I want you to bring me the first. I want you to begin each day with me, not just if you have time for me later. The question that I ask myself is, is it my goal in life to make much of him in word and work? Or is it I do my work and do it well out of fear of man, out of, out of what others might think? Brothers and sisters, that will not bring out your best. If you are simply doing what you do so that you might gain man's praise or be, be, want to be impressed, to have them impressed by you, you will not bring your best because your fear is now of men. And your concern is not to give your best to the Lord who loves you and wants you. 
to succeed. So what do we do as we're bringing our best? We remember that God bears with our weaknesses and we trust that he will receive what we offer to him in faith. Believing that we rely upon him completely. We read later in God's word that Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Why? Because it was so, so abundant or because Abel was so good? No, but because he came by faith. The writer of Hebrews says that by faith, Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. He is the example for us to walk by faith, to give our best. That path, that way. He gave obediently, respectfully, asking God to receive him for the sake of his appointed sacrifice. And we work as unto the Lord, showing others that our confidence in life is in him. We trust not in our labors for life, but in his provision. Well, here in the beginning, we see sin's consequence was not removed. Two paths remained before humanity. They were not equally valid paths. Not equally valid ways of living. The two paths led to very different destinies and were characterized by very different attitudes. Secondly, we see there's only one right response. The Lord did not approve of Cain's way. He showed favor to Abel and not to Cain. And there are two responses in life that we can have. There's, again, two paths. There's the path of repentance and faith, and there's the path of rebellion and rejection. Many today say, well, yeah, I know I'm not living the way I should, but I'll clean it up in the end. I'll, I'll, I'll get it all straight. The Lord and I will get right when it, when it comes to the end. I'm, I'm, I'll make sure I'll make amends. Well, there's a whole lot that's wrong with that mentality. Delayed obedience is nothing other than disobedience. And it's a heart that's cultivating a resistance to God's word. It's not a heart that's it's not a heart that it's like a soil that's, that's, that's fertile and ready to grow fruit. It's, it's got weeds in it. And those weeds aren't suddenly going to turn into fruit at the end because I just set my mind to it. The heart that cultivates disobedience will not grow flowers but more weeds, will not grow fruit but more weeds. The thief on the cross account is not normative in Scripture. That we have that last moment before death to get it all straight. Nor can it be our expectation that after sowing seeds for a lifetime, it will somehow produce the fruit of faith in the end. Cain's choice came from consistent choices again and again from a rebellious heart. The Lord knew his heart and he warned him. Cain was very angry with God extremely angry. Verse 5 tells us, God warned Cain that there were two paths before him, obedience and blessing or disobedience and death. Listen to verses 6 and 7. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is against you, but you must rule over it. You must master it. 
We sang about, or we, we heard about this in Matthew 7 already. It's hard work. This is a path that requires diligence and devotion. Cultivation. Another translation that, could be, that, that can be faithful to the text here is, if you act rightly, will you not be forgiven? So that we understand what God is saying here is, you're not saved by, by doing well, by doing good, doing your best. But if you act rightly in keeping with my word, will you not be forgiven? And that is something we need to set uh, before us. Abel was not, Abel was not uh, uh, accepted because he was so good, but because he responded in faith to God. That's the path that we must be on. Faith, trusting in God, listening to him, learning from him, living for him with a believing heart. Abel trusted that God would forgive him, and he loved him. And that's the word that we speak. We must, we must be forgiven of our sins. That's the truth of the matter. We have offended God. The message goes on, but the Lord is willing to do so. He's willing to forgive. He says, come to me, and I will forgive. Come to me, and I will wipe away your offenses. There's only one right response. We must come to him in the way that he's commanded repenting of our faith, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Each day we're making decisions and we must ask ourselves, am I making this decision out of a desire to live for God or out of a a selfish desire? Something that I want for me, something I deserve. That sin has mastery in our lives. That's the question we need to ask. Does sin have control over me? Am I doing this for me? Is my life about me? Before you go out the door each day, remind yourself the days are evil. Remind yourself that you're going to see much that is not in keeping with God's command. That you must not take the path, the way of sin, but walk as a child of God. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's seen throughout the scriptures over and over again. Paul says it so many times in his epistles. He says, but consider, but find out, but know what the Lord's will is. That's the path that we need to be on. Understand what the Lord's will is. Cain reasoned that his presence before God was enough. God should have been pleased with his actions, he, he felt. But he did not have God first in his life, and he did not respond rightly to God. And God warned him that sin was crouching at the door of his heart, ready to rule over him. Cain believed he had peace with God while he rejected his word and refused to believe in his way as the only way. But there really is no third way. We either obey or disobey God. We either hear his call and come to him by faith or we will walk outside of God's, we will be outside of God's coming glorious paradise. That's what happened to Cain. Verse 12 tells us that he was a wanderer, a fugitive, and he went away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 16. How did this happen? Well, God tells us Cain became so angry with God that he went out and murdered God's witness on earth, Abel. 
We aren't told what the two brothers talked about. We're sure that they've spent many hours in conversation, but we can be sure based upon the Bible's testimony concerning Abel that it was about God and about his goodness and about the way to be reconciled to him. And Cain hated it. He didn't want to hear anything about it. First John 3 tells us that he hated Abel. And his bold disrespect for God is seen shockingly in this passage as well. When God comes to him and asks what he's done, where is his brother? He responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? To God. Cain had made peace with the devil and rejected God's searching question. The psalmist says just the opposite. Search me and know me. If there's any offensive way in me, drive it out and lead me in the way everlasting, Psalm 139. That's our prayer. That should be our prayer. That should be our response when God speaks to us by His Spirit. Think about how It was when Christ came to earth, called all, even the very religious, to repentance and faith, and he was hated, so hated that they cried for his crucifixion. You see, the sinful heart wants to extinguish the message of the gospel. They don't want to hear about uh, faith and about believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin wants to hear something other than the gospel. Faith recognizes that his death is the only way for life and responds in loving obedience. Friends, the Lord... The Lord of heaven searches the heart. He does that every day because every day we need him to do that. And every day we need to repent of sin. He searches the heart with his word to root out whatever resides there. Only when we respond to his word and faith can we be sure that the wilderness wandering will one day give way to eternal rest. So we must read his word. How do we know what his will is? How do we know? What do we, how do we know about ourselves? We read his word. And I've used this here before, but I'm saying it again because we all forget. Read the word with understanding. Ask those five questions. S-P-A-C-E, space, sin to confess, promise to claim, attitude to change. Cain had a serious attitude to change. Command to obey, example to follow. What are those things that are in the word? Sin Sin to confess. What's my sin? Promise to claim. Ah, but I can claim the promise of forgiveness in Christ. That's my promise, so I don't have to be hopeless. What's my attitude, and does it need to be changed? How do I change that attitude? Is there a command for me to obey that I'm not obeying? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Oh, I'll get to it later. No, that's disobedience. And then example to follow. What am I learning? How am I to be living? Either a positive example or a negative example. This, go this way and not this way. Read with understanding. There's no other path than the path of obedience to God. Delayed obedience is disobedience. The way of disobedience and disrespect will not bring life. The Lord's not unclear in his call. He says, turn from sin and come to me in faith. Listen to my son. Behold, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Again, the Lord's word is very clear. His commands are very clear. I was thinking about what verse in the Old Testament 
uh, one verse came to my mind, or one, one narrative came to mind when I was thinking about this. When Naaman had leprosy, and uh, uh, he doesn't know how to be healed, and Elisha is summoned, and Elisha tells him to go wash in the river Jordan, and Naaman's, uh, Naaman's furious. He's like, I don't want to, why would I go there in that filthy water? And the, and the servant of Naaman comes to him and says, now, now hold on, let's think about this for a minute. If he would have asked you to do something like climb Mount Everest, you would have done it because it was something that, you know, was, was, you'd do anything. And here he tells you to do this simple and very clear thing. Wash in the river, Jordan, and you won't do it. What if, <laughs> what if you do that? And you see if indeed God might not be faithful to his promise. God is very clear to us about what we're called to do. But so very often we say, ah, what difference would that make? 15 minutes a day in God's word to start? Ah, what a waste. Try it. Ah, pr prayer every day before I, before I get started with my day and before I go to bed at night? What difference does that make? Try it. Because God calls you to that. And he says, this is the way. Walk in it. Naaman listened and was cleansed. God's call, you see, is not beneath us. God's call does humble us. But if we obey, he raises us up. He cleanses you and me. The command is not a hard command in one sense. It's clear. In another sense, it's very hard because it means letting go of whatever we trust in or slowing down enough to put him first and not giving him whatever we have left. The problem isn't the command that God gives. The problem is the heart. There's only one blessed path unto eternity. It's it is to come to God, believing that through his sacrifice you have life. Don't reject it. Don't compartmentalize obedience to God to Sunday. Cain heard God's question and refused him. He chose to go away from the presence of the Lord. That's really what disobedience is. It's going away from the presence of the Lord. Now, we can't escape him. We know that. He's, wherever, he, he's everywhere. But when we disobey, we're, we're tempting to go from his presence, from that place of blessing. Think about it that way. To walk away from that place where he says there is blessing, where there is joy. And he settles in the land of Nod, which is interpreted wandering. That, too, tells us something about that path. It's a wandering. It's a purposeless and hopeless and meaningless existence. God gave Adam and Eve a promise that they would have a son. They received their son and they said, here he is, this is the one God promised. And yet what we, found, what we find is that no, indeed, he, he had sin just like them. No, the son, the son of man who was to come, would have to be conceived by the Holy Spirit and be without sin, not inheriting depravity. That one God alone could give, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came, and he believed God's promises to him, that he would be restored to glory, 
as he obeyed. He obeyed his father perfectly. He was received to his father. And now, through him, we can draw near to God. He is the one that we must trust. His blood offers a better word than Abel's blood. What did Abel's blood uh, call for? It called for vengeance. Hebrews 12 tells us. 12.14 says it called for vengeance. But Christ's blood speaks a better word. It speaks of reconciliation. Forgiveness for all who believe. That path is the only path to eternal blessing. The world wants us to believe that there are many ways to live. It doesn't really matter how you live. Just as long as you have a good time. The Bible says, no, there is, there is only two paths. There are only two paths. We see it here at the very beginning. The way of obedience is blessed. The way of disobedience is cursed. It's foundational for us to understand. And we must live it out each and every day by God's grace remembering that he forgives all our sins in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it is so easy to take the path that is wide, which leads to destruction. It is impossible for us to take that narrow path without without your Spirit, without your help. And yet you say you are willing to forgive. You are willing to be our help. Indeed, you've given your only begotten Son, your only Son, that we might be reconciled, that you might be reconciled to us, that we might come near and know the path of joy. Lord, in difficulty and hardship, lead us to find our strength in you. And the And at times, the even more difficult path of blessing and affluence and prosperity, keep us near to you also, O Lord. May we not lose our way, putting our hopes in treasures and pleasures of this life rather than in you. For those who are not walking with you, Lord, we pray, draw them to you. For we can grow in our obedience, Lord. We humbly ask that you would lead us to be disciplined in such a way that we would know the blessings of obedience. Hear us, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.